One of the sweet things about the first miracle of Jesus is just what it was that he fixed that day. Unlike the agony of leprosy and blindness, deafness, or even demonic possession, which Jesus often addressed in his miracles, this time he keeps a couple from embarrassment, preserving their joy. After all, what happens when a wedding runs out of wine? Nothing all that much, except perhaps the couple and their families are embarrassed. But John will not just leave it there. This wedding happens on the third day. That reminds us of another third day, a third day after Jesus' death on a cross. That also was a day when Jesus brought joy to light, turning abject grief into fulsome exaltation. Welcome to the Sandhills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the second Sunday after Epiphany is, He Brings Joy. This is a sermon on John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and it is the second sermon in a series called Unwrapping the Gift. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The young woman was or the young woman walked into church on her father's arm and her smile was radiant. Now I could be talking about really any uh, describing most weddings here but last year that young woman was my youngest daughter, Anna. Now the father was me. Duh. <laughs> and I was preaching that day, so I was carrying a worship folder in in one hand and my daughter on my left arm. And as we started walking in, I was juggling that folder between two hands. And I must have been a little nervous that day. And my daughter giggled, Dad, you don't know what to do with your hands, do you? (laughs) Well, that was a little bit of uh, humor at uh, a very joyful time, Uh, perhaps a little nervous uh, at that time as well. And also COVID-19 cases were surging at the time. uh, So we wore masks walking down the aisle due to the city ordinance. But a young man stood in the front of the church and with an array of their friends on either side of him. Now they were not Hollywood, beautiful, but they were really beautiful. Beautiful in the sense of being real people who were about to be married. And I have witnessed this scene, you know, many times, both as a pastor and with my own and my wife's families. Jesus delights in the joy of the bride and the groom in the reading this day. And he loves the proud parents celebrating parties, and the honeymoon, too. This is the first miracle which John records for us, and he calls it a sign which revealed Jesus' glory. But unlike many of Jesus' miracles, the object of this miracle is not so clear. I mean, opening the eyes of a blind man, yeah, get that, Uh, healing or cleansing a leper, has a clear object who benefits from the miracle. The person healed. But who benefits here? 
Mary's words give us a clue. They have no wine. Mary's words bring to light an unfolding tragedy. Well, perhaps not at the level of some natural disaster or a war, but a tragedy. Nonetheless, a family was about to be embarrassed. Was it the fault here due to a relative? Uh, was this her in embarrassment? Or was it poor planning? Mm, gate crashers you know, who drank all the wine or something else? Who knows? Doesn't matter. But the joy is about to be sucked out of this gathering. So Jesus, initially reluctant, brings it back better than before. He gives joy. So which problem here is solved? Well, Jesus keeps a family from embarrassment and lets the party continue. He doesn't want this couple, decades later, to have their wedding still remembered as the one in which they ran out of wine. So Jesus cares about your joy too. John wrote in another place that your joy will be complete. That's John 15. And Jesus makes a little detour into that source of that joy in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 24. And there are many who would rob you of joy today. Sometimes it is our own sinful self. Jesus is working for your joy today. Now, this sermon will speak of Jesus as God. And the, remember this, that the ancients always attributed the making of wine to one God or the, another. So it's manifesting, Jesus is manifesting himself, his glory as God. And God has joy or he's not God. And he brings that joy to us. You know, of all the emotions... Really, only joy, love, and peace, you could say, are divine. Almost any other emotion speaks of lack, a lack. But these emotions speak of fullness. But we will also remember that the same spirit of Jesus is poured out on us, and joy is the gift. Jesus brings joy. He is the cause of our joy. So as we unwrap this gift of joy on the second Sunday of Epiphany, I'm going to dwell on three effects of this gift of joy. Jesus brings joy. So this results in three things. So first, so that our lives become places of joy. Because Jesus brings joy, that's the cause, with the result that our lives become places of joy. So what exactly is this gift of joy that Jesus brings, and how does it affect our lives? How does it make a, them places of joy? Well, the first, one, first four words. I could preach a whole sermon on this one. On the third day, the Christian cannot hear those words without a bell going off in their heads in the head, reminding him or her of another third day, a day of light and resurrection. Jesus rose on the third day. This is a wedding feast. We are the bride of Christ. The fact that John starts his description of Jesus's ministry with this little event is, is not an accident. But if we talk of the third day, there is a first and a second day too. For the Christian who has 
Easter in mind, those two days are days of death and grief and darkness and waiting. They are Good Friday and Holy Saturday. Jesus brings a far more significant joy than just the wine for a wedding. He is far more than the ancient version of the Gallo brothers. He brings life. And so I'm going to call this gift the third day resurrection joy gift. And then there were six stone jars. Therefore, the Jewish rite of purification. Now, John can cannot but bring us into what lies at the heart of our dilemma here. That's also significant, too, theologically. Eternal life would be hellish if I was not changed. I have a sin problem. You have a sin problem. And these jars are purification jars. Nothing stands between me and divine joy joy like the, the stain of sin. So this must be removed. But how? Well, only Jesus can make this work. He brings the joy, not me. But he does bring joy-filled purification jars, brimming with water, washing away sin type of joy. Well, last week we recalled when we celebrated the baptism of our Lord, we recalled that Christ has brought us into this joyful kingdom through baptism. Baptism is the starting point of our lives. We have been baptized into his death, and that means we have been baptized into his third day resurrection joy. Also, we remember our baptism and confess our sins and receive absolution, that is forgiveness of those sins daily. And now, it's not that we continue to sin, Paul reminds us last week. Week, but rather we live as new creations. We live in newness of life. And the absolution represented by the purification jars filled with water has established that we are at peace with God. And that means we can be joyful. So second effect or result, because Jesus brings joy, which in turn results in making our lives places of joy, Well, secondly, we can look at the brokenness of of God's creation with undimmed joy. So every wrong, every sin, every hurt, every problem has been touched by Jesus, even little things like embarrassed families at weddings. Now, embarrassment is not fatal. It's not even a terrible problem in a rational scale of problems, severity, but... Jesus brings his abundance here. John notes how large the water jars are. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. Do the math here. This is between 120 to 180 gallons of wine. Now, that's a lot of wine. Now, we are so often confronted in our lives with limitations of resources and, of course, life itself. It's a finite commodity. But Jesus brings abundance. Not just a a few bottles from the cellar in the basement, but miraculous amounts. He brings joy and fullness of joy. 
So we can look at the brokenness of God's creation, that it would be you know, daily troubles with undimmed joy. And then this phrase, you have kept the good wine until now, the master of the ceremony said. If, if you have ever sat by a dying person and you heard them clinging to life, you know a little of the terror of death. It is losing something good. Life is good. Our world seems to have forgotten this in some corners, but life is good and death is terrible. It is bad to run out of wine at a wedding and Jesus replenishes with something better than what has been exhausted. This Jesus does not resuscitate us to a longer version of this old life, but he gives us something far better than this, eternal life, and wherever there is life, there is joy and peace. And so we can look at the brokenness of God's creation, even faced with death, with eyes of undimmed joy. What robs us of joy? As I asked the children earlier, what robs you of joy? How does Jesus fix this? Let's test this out. And and help us to look upon brokenness with undimmed joy. Well, let's look at a few examples. Fear. It, it was the third day. Fear affects us all. And it was the third day. Remember, there was a third day, a resurrection day. And we fear death behind all of this pandemic mess. Jesus has an answer, which no virus can take away. He gives to us his third day resurrection joy. What can take away this joy? Nothing. How about anxiety? Worry, that's similar to fear, but anxiety. It's often about what might happen. Jesus' mother worries about the scandal of running out of wine. Jesus fixes that. Now we can pray as he taught his disciples. This is from John 16. Ask in his name and you will receive and your joy will be complete. All right, if, if you are uh, into Facebook and social media, uh, social media would tell me what I should be, and I know I'm not. That's what it does, or can do. Now, remember that the servants know the truth, and everyone else plays the game, but they know the truth. Now, we know the truth, that Jesus makes our joy complete and full. And when we are tempted to focus on what is lacking in our life, which social media can can point out, he gives us the gift of the fullness of joy. How about busyness? Any busy people here? (laughs) Overscheduled? Overfilled life? Well, Jesus is on a schedule. Um, It is not his time, but he still does this. And even... Out of time, in the bits between our scheduled lives, Jesus works. He is working. The joy is a gift, and it becomes the starting point of our lives. We can always come back to and be refreshed in Christ. And then sin. Well, we talked about that already, right? Remember the the purification jars. Jesus forgives sin and makes us pure. Joy is... The purification joys pointed out to us uh, the washing away of sin 
in the water and the, and the word. And we can always come back to that joy. So let's summarize here. Cause and effect. So far, Jesus brings joy. We make joy our starting point. Make it a place, uh, joy is a place in our lives. And then we can look at the brokenness of creation with undimmed joy. And then this leads us to the third effect or the result, which is jumping into this world and spreading the joy. That's the third effect or result. Like our Lord, we jump into this world and spread the joy. We do not just observe from the distance either. Like our Lord, we jump into this world. Wasn't that what he was doing in this text? Even though he was initially reluctant. Like our Lord, we jump into the world and we sing heaven's songs because that's where we belong. And we care for the vulnerable and the sick and the lonely and bring light to darken lives. And we forgive the sinners and spread the joy. We are not dismayed or saddened by the magnitude of sin. Our Savior is bigger. But the servants knew. And Jesus brings the joy which the world cannot give us, despite its false promises to the contrary. But this is not just for us. It's for the world, the whole world. Including those who did not plan out this wedding uh, festivity very well. <laughs> they have no idea where it came from, but the servants know, you know, by the gift of spirit and word, you know, and you know where this joy comes from, and you can tell another. And then they will know too. And like our Lord, we jump into this world and spread the joy. The disciples believed, and they trusted him, and they surely did not know the whole story yet, our knowledge is also incomplete, but they trusted. Now, faith is not knowing all, but it is knowing him. Faith is that relationship which trusts that Jesus is the answer to my deepest problems. And like our Lord, they also jumped into the world and spread the joy. They kept growing in their faith. And they did not just observe from the distance. You you and I can also grow in our faith. And like our Lord, we can jump into this world and spread the joy. So today we see him caring about a couple's wedding joy. What does that reveal to you about God? Jesus saved them from embarrassment. No great human need was, was met here. Or was it? Joy is in short supply in that century and in ours. And this results in our ability to look at the brokenness and our, our, this results in our lives becoming places of joy. This, looks, this results in our ability to look at the brokenness of God's creation with undimmed joy. And this results in jumping into this world and sharing that joy. Will you pray with me? Lord of glory, preserve your son's bride. Lord of glory, preserve your son's bride, the church. Make it her constant joy and delight to preach the good news of forgiveness in her Savior to poor sinners. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.